Well, 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 it looks like we have once again found ourselves outside of the swamp and hiking up through the mountains. Welcome back to the swamp and welcome if you're new, my friends. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true mountain horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. As usual, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you're new to the swamp, be sure to subscribe and hit that like button and get ready for these creepy and allegedly true mountain horror stories. I was 18 years old and in the Job Corps in Cedro Woolley, Washington. It was late one night and all of us who had become friends were watching movies inside the day room. Me and a guy I became friends with decided to walk outside of the campus to this old mental hospital, I believe. It would help if you googled it to find its name, but personally, I don't remember. I know it's either in Cedro Woolley, Washington or outside Cedro Woolley, Washington sharing the same land as the job course. So, anyway, we walked outside through this field, and we get to an area where we're standing facing the building on the side. So we're looking at it horizontally. You can tell that many of the windows are shattered, and the place looks old and messed up. Anyway, it looked like a light was in one of the rooms, and there was a crescent moon that night, kind of like a quarter moon up in the sky, so I turned to Jared and said, Look, there's a light on. I was trying to scare him. I thought that the moon was reflecting off the back of the building or something and causing it to appear like there was a light on in that room. So, he was getting freaked out, like, no way. How's there a light on? So then as we are talking, we look back and notice another light is on in the room right next to that one. So as we were talking, we were like gesturing with our bodies, so I assumed we had just moved a little bit. But it made the other room light up. So I started talking to him, and we started to walk back a little bit, and it seemed like my idea was right. Whenever we moved, that light turned off. The other room lit up. So this went on for a little bit when I pushed him back and forth slightly, and it looked like one room that was lit up with this light would go out. Then suddenly, it would look like the other room would light up. So we're standing there, talking. He's telling stories from what he's heard from other people around here about the asylum saying some electric chair was in there in the basement or something and they used to do lobotomies and all kinds of crazy stuff. Said there's probably ghosts and all that. The whole time I was listening to this nonsense, thinking this was hilarious. So, we both looked back and both rooms were lit up with light, which surprised me because we didn't move at all. Then I looked at him and he looked at me, and we're like, huh, weird. Both the rooms are lit up now. Then we look back in the chambers, they are black, pitch black, no light anywhere. I look back up and the moon is in the same spot and nothing had changed. So I don't understand how both of these rooms were just now all of a sudden lit up at the same time. And then right before our eyes, they both went dark. I don't know if my mind was playing tricks on me, but it looked like I could see a face in the window. Anyway, we went back the next day and looked around the windows to see if there were any lights in there or any signs of anybody that could have been living there or something and it didn't appear anyone would be living there. The place was trashed, and we're way out in the mountains of Cedro Woolley, a job corps. There's nothing around here. It was extraordinary, 
and we were at such a distance that if there was a person there, there's no way they could have been able to hear our conversation to try to play along. The way the room lit up, it just didn't seem like a flashlight or anything natural, and it definitely wasn't the moonlight. I live in the foothills of western North Carolina, near the base of the Blue Ridge Mountains. I used to live higher up in the mountains for a few years and hated it. So I wouldn't say I like the woods with a burning passion, but yet, I don't hate them, I guess. Recently, I've moved back in with my folks in their cabin surrounded by the woods. The land my family owns stretches across 15 acres of woodland. Now, these are the woods I grew up in. Despite my typical aversion to nature, I feel safe in them. I climbed the trees, splashed in the creek, and played with stick swords when I was a kid. These woods are home to me except for the area behind the backyard. Our cabin is on a steep hill that slopes down for about a half a mile. Eventually, it bottoms out on a creek down in the woods. The halfway point between the house and the stream is a little patch of woods, right behind the fenced-in area around the house. It's always in the shade, with no thick undergrowth, just trees. Carolina red clay, piles of leaves, the usual but it feels bizarre down there in a way that I cannot explain. I feel very unwelcome, out behind the house for some reason, and I'm not the only one. My parents avoid it too. Even our pets, past and present, have always steered clear of it. So I will list some experiences that might get my point across better. The first experience was when I was about eight or nine years old, and one summer I thought I'd try camping in the backyard. So I set up my family's new tent and loaded it up with an air mattress and a pile of blankets, copper, my beloved dear Stuffy, and some comic books. I wanted to be excited about it, but I felt uneasy even before the sun went down when my mom was helping me set up my little camping trip. The shady patch of woods around the backyard was just weird, but I was a kid, so I figured, F it, I'm 20 feet from the house, I'll be fine. I got set up for the night, stayed up reading comics, and felt like an outdoorsman. And it had barely gotten dark when I began hearing loud, rhythmic crunching in the woods. Behind the backyard, not too far from where I was, like something big was walking in circles around the undergrowth. We don't have bears in my neck of the wood. Besides, whatever it was, it was walking on two legs. It never tried to approach the backyard, even as I sat there with Copper just listening to it. It just kept walking. I barely lasted an hour in that damn tent before running inside and getting into my bed. The second one is a little interesting. My mom's an avid gardener and decided she would put together four or five raised gardening beds in the backyard for herbs and veggies. This was when I was 11, so naturally I was roped into helping. We spent the first part of the day putting them together and getting them started. Then I noticed that we would get edgy and irritable back there. We're best friends and never fight, but we'd be snapping at each other constantly raising that damn garden. I also noticed that the back woods behind our house were deathly quiet for the first time. Playing music or talking didn't make a difference. It was like that kind of silence that pressed in on you, and it's always just exactly the same back there. The beds thrived for a little while but my mom always asked me to come with her when she tended to them. I thought it was silly at the time. 
She told me that she couldn't be down there by herself when I got older. She would always wait until I was home from school before checking on them because she felt uneasy and unwelcome. Eventually, we would just abandon the project altogether. The raised beds are still down there, by the way, just rotting away in the undergrowth. Since middle school, I haven't checked on them, and I'm 23 now. This last experience I will share, in my opinion, is the creepiest. The time I asked my mom to cut my hair, we were poorer then, so mom just gave me a nice, twice-monthly trim rather than go to a salon. It was late spring and warm, so she suggested that we cut it in the backyard for an easier cleanup. Was I maybe 13 or 14 at this point? I don't really remember correctly, so I'm just going to go with either 13 or 14. So we ventured down. I brought a stool and diligently sat while she cut my hair. Side note, my mom has always cut my hair, so she is very good at it, and she doesn't make mistakes. This is important. As she worked and we talked, I noticed an old familiar feeling of unease. We were not welcome back there. The trees that stood still and shadowy despite the brilliant sunny day just sucked all of the energy away. I remember that it felt cold, very cold. My mom finished up my haircut and I shook off the extra debris to let her admire her handiwork. She stepped around in front of me, angled my head this way and that, and said it looked good. Three things happened in rapid succession. First, I felt this squeeze of pressure on my lungs like I couldn't breathe. It was such a weird sensation that I froze. All of the uneasiness of the atmosphere pressed in on me all at once. Second, my mom got this odd, vacant look on her face. I remember her smile fading and her eyes going a little glassy like she was lost in thought. And then she reached out with the scissors, still making this blank expression, and snipped a deep cut into the skin right above my eye. I freaked out, screaming. I jumped off the stool and backed away. At the same time, she seemed to gather herself again, and she was almost in tears. She repeatedly apologized, not even bothering to take anything with us as we ran back to the house to treat the cut and stop the bleeding. I still have a little scar there, and she's never forgiven herself for it. There wasn't even any hair hanging over my eye either. I had a pixie cut at the time. So yeah, these are a few weird experiences that make me avoid the backyard now. I haven't even been down there in seven or eight years, but now that I'm living here again, I sometimes investigate the backyard and feel that weird shudder of apprehension. What's the deal? Why don't we feel welcome in the 50 square foot patch of land we own? Why is it so dark and quiet in this one spot? I have no idea, but my parents and I work around it and pretend that it's not there. I lived in Utah for a year now, and I've got to say it's the most beautiful state, in my opinion. Mountain ranges, valleys, and ski resorts galore, but there is a dangerous side of the wilderness here too, especially in the mountains. I've lived in multiple places in this state, such as Heber, Midway, Provo, St. George, etc. A little bit about me is that I'm an avid angler, and this story takes place in southern Utah. It was the weekend and my dad often went fishing after a long week's work. We had decided to go to Quail Lake State Park for our weekend trip. A fantastic view of mountains, clear water, and big fish is all we needed. We had gotten there at about 3 to 4 in the afternoon and tossed our lines out. After some time, I thought it was a good idea to find a new spot to be by myself. 
so I trailed across this creek that followed into the river and then to the lake, traversing over hills, banks, and rocks to see where I'd think I'd have the best luck, and I stumbled upon a little peak out in the water and started setting up my rods. It was 7 o'clock and the sun was setting when I started getting a weird feeling that I shouldn't be there, but I stayed anyway. Nature around me soon started getting quiet and the occasional car passing across the lake, but I had blown it off thinking I came here to fish and relax, trying not to stress myself out. My dad texted me saying it was time to go. I checked my phone for the time and two hours had already passed. The sun was past to set and no moonlight. So I started packing and went on my way hiking back over the hills and banks. On the trail to that spot, a lengthy rock bank with tall trees in the water caved into each other like a swamp that I crossed to get there. On the way back to the car, I had come to realize that that part of the trail had a massive splash, like someone had jumped in front of me in those trees, like full force. I could see the ripples come to shore, and there was no way anything smaller than 130 pounds made that disturbance in the water. It creeped me out, but I blew it off as a branch falling or something like that, as there were a lot of waterlogged trees that had been rotted, so I kept trucking along. Not even five seconds later, there were more sounds of something trudging through the water, and it sounded like it kept getting closer. The moment that happened, I snapped my head around with my flashlight, and the noises instantly stopped. I then remembered my knife that I had on me and pulled it out, yelling at whoever or whatever was making that noise to not come near me. I sat for days, scanning the trees, waiting for whatever it was to charge me, but nothing happened. I kept walking back past that rock bank, and almost as soon as I got off that bank, the splashes came back, but way closer than before. I started running, and whatever was following me stayed on my tail, but every time I looked back, there was nothing but waves from it. I had then crossed the creek like I had done before, coming to the hill straight up to where my dad had parked a million times. I stopped and turned around to get a good look at whatever this thing was finally, and there was no more splashing, no more ripples, and I saw nothing. But what has me questioning my sanity is that I could only hear water falling off the body of whatever was following me. I was scanning the rest of the trees and the bank and never saw a thing. I quickly turned around, ran up to the hill, got into the car, and told my dad to drive. I told him what happened, and to no surprise he didn't believe me at first until I told him the whole story and how serious my demeanor was. I still occasionally go out to Quail Lake, and I still haven't seen anything close to that experience. It's not only a story, but one of these things that sticks out to me the most. It still leaves me wondering who or what was with me that night. Hi Swamp Dweller, I've been listening to your stories for a couple of years now, and I'm envious of the experience others have had on this channel. So to give you some background, I'm from South Africa. I'm a 26-year-old female, and the people here aren't as rich as many other cultures worldwide. However, we believe in several cryptids and other folklore you may find interesting. Without further ado, here is my story. My dad and I occasionally hike the local mountain range. We usually head out at dawn to avoid the hot African sun. My dad called and said he wanted to do a night trail this time. He is an ex-cop, so nothing freaks him out. I agreed and decided to leave my phone in the car as we pulled up to the nature reserve's parking lot. Dust clouded the air, which is expected this time of year, 
I wish I had taken my phone with me. God, I was so stupid. We hiked for about four miles up a steep slope and over a cliff. I was exhausted, but my dad looked like he was barely breaking a sweat. Suddenly, we hear someone cry out for help. My dad, being the hero, started to respond to the voice and told him where we were. Mind you, it's past sunset, light is limited, and we only have two flashlights to guide us. In a childlike voice, the voice kept repeating the exact words, Help me, I'm hurt, and help me, I need help. I grabbed my dad's arm and froze. I knew something was not right. I yelled back, What is your name? And the childlike voice replied, Help me, I'm hurt, in the same tone. I whispered to my dad, We need to leave, now. He protested and wanted to help, but I knew this was no child. We hauled back to the safety of the cliffs, and with our flashlights bouncing as we sprinted down the slippery slopes. We both fell a few times and I swear I saw something following us. In the bushes, it wasn't even too far away. It looked like an animal, crouching and waiting for me to turn my back. My dad and I reached the car in daylight. We never stopped running. We collapsed next to the car's trunk, and my dad swore like a sailor. We never really spoke about our experience after it happened. We just warned people not to go hiking in the cliffs and mountains after dark. I'm a 17-year-old guy currently living in Phoenix, Arizona. Around six months ago, this incident took place on an overnight trip into the Superstition Mountains, about an hour's drive east of Phoenix. I'm not going to specify the exact trail because I've been doing this a long time and I know enough what happens when you post things on the internet. Whether it's a golf course, abandoned mine, ghost, or whatever it may be, people usually come flocking with a lot of trash and loud music. Anyway, this trail I was taking was an 8 mile loop through a canyon, a simple in and out overnight trip. I planned to go with my friend, but the last minute cancellation on his part left me on my own. So, with a packed bag and a car ready to go, I decided to go independently. I was not leaving the house on time and having trouble navigating through forest roads. I didn't arrive at the trailhead until around 5.45. For those of you who don't backpack, this is a huge no-no. I had about a four-mile hike until I arrived at my planned camping spot, and it was getting dark fast, so I figured I would move quick. I could get at least two to three miles in before I had to find a spot to stop. This strategy left me hiking a very dark trail on my own with about 15 miles of dirt road between me and anyone else. Walking in the dark by itself can be scary, especially for where I was being on my own. Eventually, it got so dark that I could only see where my headlamp was pointing, and that's when I figured I needed to stop and set up a camp for the night. With only using the headlamp as my light source and trying to move fast, I ended up in a less than ideal spot. But there were some burnt pieces of wood in the remains of a fire circle. Hence, it looked like people had been there before, but not very recently. My priority was to get a fire going. I scanned the area and was able to find some dry wood, and I got the fire going. I got my tarp out, set it up, and cracked open a can of chili mac I had brought with me. I was looking forward to eating, as I was very tired. I felt good, my camp was set up, and my food was on the fire. The uneasiness that I had from the hike had almost gone away completely, and concern from the walk-in had virtually gone away. But it was still there, a side effect of camping alone in remote areas. 
To fully understand what happened, I must explain how my camp was set up. The site I had picked was a small clearing surrounded by large pine trees with the trail about 30 feet to my left. When you are in the woods and have a fire going, the fire casts a circle of light around it and everything on the edge of that circle. And past it, you're pitch black. I was sitting on the ground near my fire eating dinner when a small rock about the size of a marble was thrown into my camp. I looked at the tiny rock in shock as I was positive that I was the only person on this trail that night. I immediately turned my light on and towards the area where I'd seen the rock come from, and due to the density of pines and brush, I could only see about 10 feet. I spent the next 15 minutes in disbelief as I scanned the tree line that surrounded me, searching for whoever had thrown that rock, not daring to stray too far away from the fire that, in hindsight, offered me a false sense of security. After sitting back down and spending the rest of my time on high alert, I convinced myself that I had somehow kicked the rock or it had fallen from a tree. I went to sleep that night not expecting the pure terror that would unfold. I woke up to the sound of rustling leaves, barely inaudible if you weren't listening for them, but they were there. Still in a sleepy daze, I heard the rustling of leaves, harder to hear as I assumed they were moving away from me. I went to grab the handheld flashlight that I had next to me when I had fallen asleep, but the more I looked, the more scared I got as I realized that it was no longer there. I stood up in my sleeping bag, ducked out of my tarp, and looked around. I could see the light off in the woods. It couldn't have been more than 15 feet away. It was my flashlight lying on the ground in a pile of leaves. This is one of the few moments in my life where I have almost crapped my pants. The flashlight that I had left sitting right next to me when I had fallen asleep a few hours ago was now 15 feet away from me past the tree line in the woods. I hurriedly slipped on my boots, clutching my knife in my other hand and keeping my head on a swivel. I weighed out my options staying here and waiting out the night or attempting the three-mile hike back to my car in the dark. I figured that whoever or whatever was out here with me was going to have a better advantage if I was out on the trail without a light, so I decided to stay in the camp and wait it out. Eventually it came back. I could hear it walking through the woods. It was far off, but I could listen to it. It sounded like someone leisurely walking by, like they were on a stroll without a care in the world. Sometimes it would wander too far away and I would lose the sound of its steps, but then an hour later, maybe two, it would return still faint as ever. This went on for three or four hours until I listened to the steps get closer and closer until they were easily seven feet away from me. The fire had been tiny as I had run out of wood in my pile. The footsteps stopped and everything went silent. I sat there for two hours, clutching a knife in my hand, praying for two hours, taking the knife into my other hand and praying that I would hear nothing else. I stayed like that until the sun cast enough light to see that I was alone at my campsite. I packed my things up and speed walked the hell out of there. I did a record three mile hike. I arrived at the empty dirt road where my car was parked and nearly sprinted to it as I unlocked my Subaru, jumped in and drove, and didn't stop until I was at least 20 miles away. I had stopped at a gas station in Apache Junction to buy a Red Bull, mostly just to see and talk to another human being. As I exited the store, I read what was written in the dust on the back of my window. It said, Sleep well? Many things have happened to me in my various adventures, especially through Arizona. But this was the most mysterious and scariest day by far, so I thought I'd share it. There is a seriously deranged person living in the Superstition Mountains. Do yourself a favor and stay far away from there.
Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true mountain horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you enjoyed the stories in tonight's episode, please be sure to give this a like as it helps us out a ton. The more likes this gets, the more YouTube promotes it to fresh new eyes and that helps the swamp expand its ever-growing waters. If you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please be sure to give this a 5-star rating over there as it helps us out a ton, and it's very much appreciated. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and pretty much anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you'd like to support the Swamp outside of all that, check me out on Twitch. I stream horror games and all kinds of other cool stuff over there multiple times a week. You can find a link in the description. I'd love to know in the comments tonight what story was your favorite that helps me pick better stories in the future for you all. Be sure to join me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.